Hey there, welcome to the Changing Our Minds podcast. This is episode 11. Welcome to the Changing Our Mind podcast. I'm your host, Kara Lee. And I'm Galen. And this is the Christmas Story Gospel Edition. So this is episode 11. And in episode 10, we talked and talked and talked about all things Christmas for a very long time. And by the time we were done, I felt like, I know we said Jesus. Did we talk about Jesus? And we did, but we decided that we would just have a special Christmas edition where we actually read through the gospel story and kind of talk about it as we go. So, um, listen, we are not theologians. We're not going to dig into the original language or a lot of backstory. There's some great resources that you can that you can find online and you know at your local bookstore that have a lot of information like that. We're just going to do this for fun, and you know you guys have hung with us enough. You know how it goes. So um, we <laughs> we were hoping to have. Dave, my husband, Caitlin's dad, joined us, but he has some things on his plate. So he might come back at the end and be like the gentle rebuke like Knox and Jamie have on the on the Bible Binge podcast, uh, but he might not. He, he might not think we need one. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure he'll think we need one, but he, he, might, he might make an appearance. We'll see how that goes. But anyway, so we know that... Um, the genealogy of Jesus is found in the Gospel of Matthew, and it's important and super cool, even though it took me uh, several years to figure that out and pay attention to that and not just skim over it. Um, Matthew's account also includes the wise men and King Herod killing all the babies, as well as Joseph getting told in a dream to go ahead and marry Mary anyway, even though she was already pregnant. And again, when the angel came after Jesus' birth to tell Joseph to take Jesus and Mary and escape to Egypt. So that's all in the Gospel of Matthew, but we're just going to stick with the Gospel of Luke today. So we're going to read it um, in the Passion Translation Bible, which um, is I don't know if you guys know about that Bible, if you've read anything. It is beautiful. It is um, scripturally accurate. He goes to the original language, but it's very poetic. And, um, you know, I think reading a familiar story in a different language is, or a different translation is really helpful to kind of give you maybe a fresh sight of it, a fresh read on it. So we're going to start with Luke chapter 1, verse 1 in The Passion. It says, Dear friend, I am writing for you, mighty lover of God, an orderly account of what Jesus, the anointed one, accomplished and fulfilled among us. Several eyewitness biographies have already been written, using as their source material the good news preached among us by his early disciples, who became loving servants of the living expression. But now I am passing on to you this accurate compilation of my own meticulous investigation based on numerous eyewitness interviews and thorough research of the story of his life. 
It is appropriate for me to write this, for he also appeared to me, so that I would reassure you beyond any shadow of a doubt the reliability of all that you have been taught of him. So here we have Dr. Luke, right? He is, he was a doctor by profession. He is thorough. He is meticulous. He's heard all the other stories and they're all pretty good, uh, but he's going to give us his take and he's going to give it to us because he knows that he's done the research and he has, you know, dug into things <laughs> and, and he's going to give you all the details that he thinks are important. Um, so I love that he just starts out saying, hey, I know that you've probably heard this, but let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've heard it too, but Jesus came to me and he told me, hey, you got to write this down. So here I am writing it down. And so you can be sure that this is reliable. I like that. Let's see. We'll pick up on verse five. It says, during the reign of King Herod, in, of King Herod the Great over Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah who served in the temple as part of the priestly order of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also from a family of priests, being a direct descendant of Aaron. They were both lovers of God, living virtuously and following the commandments of the Lord fully. But they were childless since Elizabeth was barren, and now they both were quite old. One day, while Zechariah's priestly order was on duty, he was serving a priest. It happened by the casting of lots, according to the custom of the priesthood, that the honor fell upon Zechariah to enter into the holy place and burn incense before the Lord. A large crowd of worshippers had gathered to pray, to pray outside the temple at the hour when incense was being offered. All at once, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing just to the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was startled and overcome with fear, but the angel reassured him, saying, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God is showing grace to you, for I have come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. His birth will bring you much joy and gladness. Many will rejoice because of him. He will be one of the great ones in the sight of God. He will drink no wine or strong drink, but he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even while still in his mother's womb. And he will persuade many in Israel to convert and turn back to the Lord their God. He will go before the Lord as a forerunner, with the same power and anointing as Elijah the prophet. He will be instrumental in turning the hearts of the fathers in tenderness back to their children, and the hearts of the disobedient back to the wisdom of their righteous fathers. He will prepare a united people who are ready for the Lord's appearing. Zechariah asked the angel, How do you expect me to believe this? I am an old man, and my wife is too old to give me a child. What sign can you give me to prove this will happen? Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand beside God himself. He has sent me to announce to you this good news. But now, since you did not believe my words, you will be stricken silent and unable to speak until the day my words have been fulfilled at their appointed time and a child is born to you. That will be your sign. Meanwhile, the crowds outside were kept expecting him to come out. They were amazed over Zechariah's delay, wondering what could have happened inside the sanctuary. Yeah. When he finally did come out, he tried to talk, but he couldn't speak a word, and they realized from his gestures that he had seen a vision while in the holy place. He remained mute as he finished his days of priestly ministry in the temple, and then went back to his own home. Soon after, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for the next five months. She said with joy, See how kind it is of God to gaze upon me and take away the disgrace of my barrenness. I 
<laughs> I love that story. I love, um, I love when the angel comes to Zechariah and he says, God is showing grace to you. I mean, that is God, God, God just shows up and we can be confused or afraid, but he, he's so good at sending a message that says, Hey, don't be afraid. <laughs> and then I love how he told him that his prayers were heard and would be answered with the son. Um, I think, you know, it, it, his disbelief is, is, um, is apparent and he asked for a sign. Um, and, He's and like, I love the angels. I mean, probably not, but I, I feel like it's not attitude, but I like how he's like, my words have been fulfilled at their point in time and a child is born to you. That will be your sign. <laughs> right, right. He's I'm a little, kid, okay, that's your sign. <laughs> that's right. He's a little sassy, that Gabriel. He's like, this is your sign. <laughs> Take that. I'm Mute. An angel. Okay. You need anything else? Have a kid. <laughs> right, right. Well, not, not only that, like the kid will be your sign, but here's your sign. You can't talk anymore <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until the baby is out in this world. <laughs> you are quiet. <laughs> Elizabeth's like, both of my prayers have been answered. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, too funny. <laughs> okay, so uh, in chapter 1, verse 26, it says, During the sixth months of, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary, living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you, and so you are anointed with great favor. Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. But the angel reassured her, saying, Do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. You will become pregnant with a baby boy, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will enthrone him as king on his ancestor David's throne. He will reign as king of Israel forever, and his reign will have no limit. And Mary said, But how could this happen? I'm still a virgin. Gabriel answered, The spirit of holiness will fall upon you, and Almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. What's more, your aged aunt, Elizabeth, has also become pregnant with a son. The barren one is now in her sixth month. Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary responded, saying, This is amazing. I will be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. And the angel left her. Wow. <laughs> so her response is a little different than Zachariah's. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's still questioned, like, how is this going to happen? But it wasn't so much in disbelief. It was like, uh, how is this physically possible? <laughs> I mean, when I got knocked up, I was in disbelief and it was very physically <laughs> possible. So I can't imagine. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, and I love how the angel said he... He said, do not yield to your fear. 
he acknowledged that it was normal for her to be afraid, right? I mean, every time an angel comes on the scene in the Bible, people are afraid because they're so in disbelief and they're so amazing. And, uh, you know, there's probably a, like a holy fear that comes on you. But there was also fear like, how is this going to happen? Like, I am a virgin and I've never been with a man and I don't know what you're saying, but I'm kind of engaged. So I don't understand. <laughs> and I love that he just said, don't yield, like don't give into it. It's there. I understand it. I'm not pretending that it's not there, but don't give into it, you know, and then his explanation of how it's going to happen. The spirit <laughs> of holiness will fall upon you and God will spread his shadow of power over you. Um, Scary. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I get it was obviously, was it? It was obviously different times back then when Jesus was born. So obviously. Like, the whole, yeah, the whole like not being married thing is a big deal. But I always feel like I would be more struck with fear over the like, I'm raising God. Like clearly he's probably going to raise himself a bit. He's a little independent, that guy. But like that feels like a bigger scandal in my life than just being pregnant of course it was different then but that's what would freak me out the most right right (laughs) yeah and you know I mean we it's it's been said that the approximate age of Mary is like 14 um so we know she's she is young I mean she's of the marrying age back in those times but She's very young and she's obviously innocent. She's devout. She's found favor with God. So we know she's a, you know, pure and holy and all of that. And we don't know how old Joseph was. We know he was older. Um, I read something last week that said maybe he was in his 40s. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I don't want to think that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's a little, that's like, she's his daughter. I don't like that. Let's just say he's like, I don't know, in his late 20s. That's still plenty older. Okay. If he was in his 40s, why isn't he married already? Because if they, (laughs) if they do that at like 15, then if you're 40, like how many times did you kill people? Like, why is, why are you still single, Joseph? (laughs) Well, yeah, we don't know much about Joseph. You know, he's, there's not a lot. should though shouldn't we like the parents <laughs> well that's the point he wasn't I mean he obviously he was a step parent <laughs> step parents get bad raps man but I mean he he helped raise him obviously because they and they were together they had more kids but like when at Jesus death Joseph was not there so we, it's kind of assumed that he had already passed on um, so we know that he's probably older but we don't know yeah, we don't know why he was single for that long. Maybe, you know, we, we don't know. But I just love that that <laughs> that the angel was just like, okay, you, you asked a question, but you weren't doubting in, in disbelief or mocking. <laughs> but you were like, okay, I don't understand it, but this is God, so let's do it. I mean, that's a huge submission right there. <laughs> yeah. So... Do you want to start reading? Um, We're going to do verses 39 through 56. Sure thing. All right. Afterward, Mary arose and hurried off to the hill of Judea, to the village where Zechariah and Elizabeth lived. Arriving at their home, Mary entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. 
At the moment she heard Mary's voice, the baby within Elizabeth's womb jumped and kicked, and suddenly Elizabeth was filled. Oh my kid! <laughs> was filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice, she prophesied with power. Mary, you are a woman given the highest favor and privilege above all others, for your child is destined to bring God great delight. How did I deserve such a remarkable honor to have the mother of my Lord come and visit me? The moment you came in the door and greeted me, my baby danced inside of me with ecstatic joy. Great favors upon you, for you have believed every word spoken to you from the Lord. And Mary sang this song. My soul is ecstatic, overflowing with praises to God. My spirit burst with joy over the life-giving God. For he set his tender gaze upon me, his lowly servant girl. And from here on, everyone will know that I have been favored and blessed. The mighty one has worked mighty miracles for me. Holy is his name. Mercy kisses all his godly lovers from one generation to the next. Mighty power flows from him to scatter all those who walk in pride. Powerful princes he tears from their thrones and lifts up to the lowly to take their place. Those who hunger for him will always be filled, but the smug and self-satisfied will send away empty. Because he can never forget to show mercy, he has helped his chosen servant Israel, keeping his promises to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Before going home, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months. Now, I just watched last week, I watched um, The Star at your recommendation. It's, it was so cute. It was so cute. It's a, like a nativity story. It's a cartoon. It's on Netflix. Um, highly recommend it. But <laughs> I loved how uh, she hadn't quite yet told Joseph <laughs> when, right. when she came back home with Elizabeth and <laughs> Zachariah and John. And the, the way they illustrated that, um, just the look on her face when she was like, all right, I got to go talk to him. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that was so funny. Um, and I love that... Um, that Elizabeth and John were both filled with the spirit as soon as, you know, they were encountering Mary and Jesus. So I think that's great. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And I remember hearing, I, I was trying to think of who I heard kind of contemplate on this. It wasn't really a teaching because it's just like one of those what ifs in the Bible. I think it might have been Liz Curtis Hicks, but I can't tell you for sure. But I remember hearing someone talk or, or reading their writing about how maybe Mary didn't actually know when it was going to happen, when the Lord was going to overshadow her, maybe she didn't even actually know that she was pregnant until she met Elizabeth and Elizabeth prophesied it to her and confirmed it to her. Like maybe the Holy Spirit overshadowed her on her way to, you know, to see Elizabeth and she didn't know that it had already happened. I love that thought because we just kind of assumed that it was this, this big thing but so often when God moves in our lives like he's moving and we're not really aware of it <laughs> right yeah so I just I mean I don't know that that's real or not but I love the idea that just the just the uh, reminder that God moves and we don't always feel it or see it but it can still be this life-changing thing that he's doing in us yeah that was a really good take on it or thought <laughs> Thanks. Um, okay, so we're gonna keep moving because you know we're 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 not gonna be an hour and a half this time, guys. I promise. So we're still in Luke chapter one. We're at verse fifty-seven, where we get finally get to the birth of the prophet John. So it starts off when Elizabeth's pregnancy was full term. She gave birth to a son. 
All her family, friends, and neighbors heard about it, and they too were overjoyed, for they realized that the Lord had showered such wonderful mercy upon her. When the baby was eight days old, according to their custom, all the family and friends came together for the circumcision ceremony. Everyone was convinced that the parents would name the baby Zachariah after his father. But Elizabeth spoke up and said, No, his, he has to be named John. What? they exclaimed. No one in your family line has that name. So they gestured to the baby's father to ask what to name the child. After motioning for a writing tablet, in amazement of all, he wrote, His name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and his first words were praises to the Lord. The fear of God then fell on the people of their village, and the news of this astounding event traveled throughout the hill country of Judea. Everyone was in awe over it. All who heard this news were astonished and wondered, if a miracle brought his birth, what on earth will this child become? Clearly God's presence is upon this child in a powerful way. Then Zechariah was filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. John and Elizabeth were filled first. <laughs> but, but then it happened, and he prophesied, saying, in verse 68, Praised be to the exalted Lord God of Israel, for he has seen us through eyes of grace, and he comes as our hero God to set us free. He appears to us as a mighty Savior, a trumpet of redemption from the house of David, his servant. Just as he promised long ago by the words of his holy prophets, they prophesied he would come one day and save us from every one of our enemies and from the power of those who hate us. Now he has shown us the mercy promised to our ancestors, for he has remembered his holy covenant. He has rescued us from the power of our enemies. This, <laughs> this fulfills the sacred oath he made with our father Abraham. Now we can boldly worship God with holy lives, living in purity as priests in his presence every day. And to you I prophesy, my little son, you will be known as the prophet of the glorious God, for you will be a forerunner, going before the face of the master Yahweh to prepare hearts to embrace his ways. <laughs> Is that... Happy. Okay, I was going to say happy or sad. Verse 77, you will preach to his people the revelation of salvation life, the cancellation of all our sins to bring us back to God. The splendor of light, heaven, the splendor light of heaven's glorious sunrise is about to break upon us in holy visitation, all because the merciful heart of our God is so very tender. The word from heaven will come to us with dazzling light to shine upon those who live in darkness near death's dark shadow, and he will illuminate the path that leads to the way of peace. Afterward, their son grew up and was strengthened by the Holy Spirit, and he grew in his love for God. John chose to live in the lonely wilderness until the day came when he was to be displayed publicly to Israel. Man, after being moot, <laughs> after not being able to hear or talk, uh, Zachariah had some good stuff to say. Well, yeah. <laughs> you be taking a few notes. That's right. That's right. You know, it's funny when you can't talk, <laughs> when you get real still and real quiet, it's easy to know God. That's, you know, you hear him more clear when you don't have a choice, right? Right. So you want to read um, Luke chapter 2, 1 through 7? Yes, I do. It's going to be one second. Okay. <laughs> During those days, the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, ordered that the first census be taken throughout his empire. 
That's okay. Everyone had to travel <laughs> to his or her hometown to complete the mandatory census. So Joseph and his fiance Mary, left Nazareth and a village of Galilee and journeyed to their hometown in Judea, a village of Bethlehem, King David's ancient home. They were required to register there since they were both direct descendants of David. Mary was pregnant and nearly ready to give birth. Wait, can we keep going? Yeah, just through seven. Oh, through seven, yeah. Um, to give birth. When they arrived in Bethlehem, Mary went into labor, and there she gave birth to her first son. After wrapping the newborn baby in strips of cloth, they laid him in a feeding trough, sitting trough? Yeah, trough. Trough. <laughs> Since there was no available space in any upper room in the village. Very good. You, you, you skipped Guarnerius, <laughs> but you got caught up on trough. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I know that it's trough, but I said trough, and I'm like, that's not right. That's not right. right. <laughs> it came out really naturally. Like, I knew what I was saying, but I know that's not it. Right. <laughs> yeah, so they traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and that was approximately like 80 miles um, on foot when you're nine months pregnant. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the desert. Um, yeah. Not not so fun. Not so fun. Um, so, let's see. An angelic encounter. Oh, well, let's first talk a little bit about there's no room in the inn. <laughs> oh, the classic. The classic. You know, the innkeeper gets a super bad rap because, you know, at the end of the day, he was doing his job, guys. He was doing his job, and he was super busy. Like, he was packed full. He probably, like, you know, because this was a huge money-making time for them because, you know, people would pay to stay with them. And so not just, like, random travelers, but, like, people who had to come. So they were packed out. He probably had people sleeping in hallways and in the living room. And, you know, in every nook and cranny he could charge them for. I mean, not that he was greedy, but, like, that was his business. And there just really was no room. So uh, I think instead of giving him the bad rap, like, maybe we give some of the other people that were already staying in there the bad rap. Like, hey, maybe we thank you for a filled prophecy. Maybe we do <laughs> hey, there you go. That's that's what it is. He didn't <laughs> he didn't even know that he was helping fulfill prophecy, but that's how smart God is. <laughs> so, yeah, I just I just love I mean, I love the innkeeper and I love I love thinking of like the next day. Right. Like when he goes back out to the manger or to the barn, you know, to milk the cows or to whatever he's got to do to get breakfast ready, you know, to feed the animals. And he sees this baby born and who knows how long it took him to connect those dots and realize that was prophecy. But, um, I love, I love that. And I think that he, that was probably, I mean, I don't know if it was me, that would have been one of my regrets. Like, how did I not notice, you know, how did I, not, how did I not have empathy for this poor teenage girl who was obviously pregnant and tired and travel weary and needed a place to stay. And I turned her away, you know, um, I think that he probably beat himself up more than, more than we could have. <laughs> 
Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe, or maybe he was like, uh, you owe me however much money for staying in the barn, man. <laughs> yes. Or I'm like, I really, like, he really was just doing his job. Like, right. he could have, like, man, I wish I kicked another nice family out so she could sit. Like, he right. gave her what was left, which was crap, but it worked. <laughs> right. It, 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 that's how it was supposed to be. It allowed Fisher Price to charge $35 plus for nativity <laughs> scenes for children. Yeah, we're still so bitter. Thanks, innkeeper. <laughs> we're still bitter. And we still haven't been, you know, they haven't offered to sponsor us. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm baffled. <laughs> okay, Luke 2. Um, I'll start with verse 8. That night, in a field near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching over their flocks. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God. And the shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassured them, saying, Don't be afraid. See, he always says that. For I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it is for everyone, everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You will recognize him by this miracle sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in the feeding trough. Then all at once, a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven, and they all praised God, singing glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. When the choir of angels disappeared back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go, let's hurry and find this word that is born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us. So they ran into the village and found their way to Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a feeding trough. Upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what had just happened. Everyone who heard the shepherd's story was astonished by what they were told. But Mary treasured all these things in her heart and often pondered what they meant. The shepherds returned to their flock, ecstatic over what had happened. They praised God and glorified him for all they had heard and seen for themselves, just like the angel had said. Yeah. You know what's missing in Luke's account? The wise men. Yeah, they're not there. Yeah. They're not there. You know why they're not there? Because they didn't come uh, until Jesus was like two years old. That's I funny. remember you telling me that. Yeah, they don't really belong in the nativity. It's fine. Whatever, it's fine. Because, you know, eventually they do come. And they give the gifts that actually probably, uh, you know, fund Joseph's escape with the, with Mary and Jesus to Egypt and help them live for however many years they lived until they were free to come back. But yeah, the wise men, not so much in Luke's gospel account. And Luke, remember, he's just giving us the facts. <laughs> so <laughs> he's going down the timeline in order and he's giving us the facts. So, um, and I love that the angels appeared to shepherds. Shepherds are like you know, the low man on the totem pole. They're the, they're the blue collar workers. They're the, nobody really wants that job, you know? Um, and they, they were given the message before anyone else. And I love that. I think that's just awesome. And I see, you know, in my mind, when I read that portion of scripture, I think, you know, I, I think I wrote on the blog about it a week or so ago about how 
you know, when, when there's a clear sky and we look up at the sky and we can see the stars and we're just amazed at how beautiful it is and that God names the stars and he sees them all and we think it's amazing. And then we get to see a picture like the professional photographers who take night sky pictures where their where their camera is open for hours and hours and you just see like the layers of these stars or, or you look at the you know, the Hubble pictures from space and you see all these galaxies that you can see. It's like, I think that the shepherds were looking at the stars and it was beautiful, like how we see it with our eyes. And then the, it, the sky was like peeled back and they could just see all of these stars and all of this beauty and the angels. And I mean, it's just, you can't even imagine it, but what, what limited... <laughs> knowledge we have of what the universe looks like uh is pretty awe-inspiring for sure I definitely have to agree I mean angels in general are pretty I haven't seen one or nothing but I can imagine you haven't seen an angel I know <laughs> you know it's on my 2019 resolution list okay? all right all right we'll work on that <laughs> Now, so I don't know what you do for Evelyn every night when you go to sleep. <laughs> yes, there you go. Um, now, I don't know if you remember, but when you were like from two and a half to probably about four or five, you used to sit Indian style on your bed and talk to Jesus like he was right there because he right. was. But like you act, you acted like you could totally see him. I don't know if you could, but you sure convinced me that you could. So I would leave you alone. <laughs> Because you guys, you guys were having a chat, and I was not going to get in the way of that. <laughs> I don't remember like vividly, but I like my bot. My I I remember it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, one of the things that I pray. Oh, we're getting a little sidetracked, which we knew it was going to happen, but we'll keep it brief. One of the things that I pray over newborns now is that they will not lose heaven you know, because uh, they come from God, like they come from there. And so I think that when they get here, they have such open spirits to, I think they can see angels. I think they can see all of that. And like, I don't think we have to lose that now. Um, so that's one of the ways that I, that I pray for new babies is that they will keep their eyes and their ears and their hearts tuned to heaven. I remember you said that when I first had her, because she would just like crack up and smile and like wave at like nothing yep like I think she sees angels because they're just so fresh right yep they're so fresh, fresh from heaven <laughs> see all it. and I was like oh that's nice that's a nice thought what are you eating get that out of your mouth <laughs> dear god <sighs> I turned my head for 45 minutes I swear <laughs> for 45 minutes <laughs> oh my lord you are funny you are so funny okay I um where are we um, oh, I know. At the temple. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to read that part, or do you want me uh, to? Uh, stop. Can you? Yeah, I can do it. Um, okay, so Luke 2, starting at verse 21. Uh, on the day of the baby's circumcision ceremony, eight days after his birth, his parents gave him the name Jesus, the name prophesied by the angel before he was born. After Mary's days of purification had ended, it was time for her to come to the temple with a sacrifice, according to the law of Moses, after the birth of a son. So Mary and Joseph took the baby Jesus to Jerusalem to be dedicated before the Lord. For it was required in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be set apart for 
shall be a set-apart one for God, and to offer a prescribed sacrifice, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. As they came to the temple to fulfill this requirement, an elderly man was there waiting, a resident of Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. He was a very good man, a lover of God who kept himself pure, and the spirit of holiness rested upon him. Simeon believed in the imminent appearing of the one called the refreshing of Israel, for the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not see death before he saw the Messiah, the anointed one of God. For this reason, the Holy Spirit had moved him to be in the temple court at that very moment that Jesus' parents entered to fulfill the requirement of the sacrifice. Simeon cradled the baby in his arms and praised God and prophesied, saying, Lord and Master, I am your loving servant, for now I can die content, for your promise to me has been fulfilled. With my own eyes I have seen your word, the Savior you sent into the world. He will be glory for your people Israel and the revelation light for all people everywhere. Mary and Joseph stood there, awestruck over what was being said about their baby. Simeon then blessed them and prophesied over Mary, saying, A painful sword will one day pierce your inner being, for your child will be rejected by many in Israel. And the destiny of your child is this, he will be laid down as a miracle sign for the downfall and resurrection of many in Israel. Many will oppose this sign, but it will expose to all the innermost thoughts of their hearts before God. A prophetess named Anna was also in the temple court that day. She was from the Jewish tribe of Asher and the daughter of Phanuel. Anna was an aged widow who had been married only seven years before her husband passed away. After he died, she chose to worship God in the temple continually. For the past 84 years, she had been serving God with, day, with night and day prayer and fasting. While Simeon was prophesying over Mary and Joseph and the baby, Anna walked up to them and burst forth with the great chorus of praise to God for the child. And from that day forward, she told everyone in Jerusalem who was waiting for their redemption that the anticipated Messiah had come. When Mary and Joseph had completed everything required of them by the law of Moses, they took Jesus and returned to their home in Nazareth in Galilee. The child grew more, in power, more powerful in grace for he was being filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So that's the story of Jesus. Um, of course, I am a huge fan of Simeon and Anna. I think they're some of my favorite characters. Um, I love how Mary pondered things in her heart. Um, I think... I think Anna, you know, she was she was married young, as Mary is. She became a widow, and she spent 84 years, 84 years in, in the temple praying and fasting night and day. Like, God sustained her, uh, you know, and for her to be able to be at the right place at the right time and recognize that this is what I've been praying and fasting for. He's, he's the one. I mean, I can't imagine the joy that was all over her. Well, that's a, that's a long time to be doing anything. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes. In our instant microwave, hurry up. I don't got all minute society. um, We can't imagine, you know, doing anything for 84 years you know (laughs) we we don't live for 84 years these days (laughs) oh yeah it's just it's crazy um you know and I think of even in between 
the New Testament, the Old Testament and the New Testament, there were like 400 years of silence. Like up until that time, God spoke through the prophets and he, you know, he spoke through Moses and the Ten Commandments and the law. And like he was speaking to his people. Um, but then like there was a cutoff and there was 400. Like I get whiny if I can't hear him or he doesn't answer me with what I want, like, you know, in two weeks. But these guys went 400 years. Like that's generations of people who don't know what the voice of God sounds like, who don't know that he talks back or that he's real even all of a sudden it sounds like you're just talking about all the other gods you know that they hear about in their culture and 400 years they were waiting and then all of a sudden you know god always has that remnant so we know for you know 84 of those years anna was fasting and praying in the temple for the messiah to come you know and then right. he's, he shows up and she's like i am you can't shut me up <laughs> I've been waiting for this. We've been waiting for 400 years. And here he is. He came. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. So I I don't know, uh, you know, Christmas for us looks different this year than it has for a few years. And, you know, the last couple of years, we've had some loss in our family and just there's a lot of changes and, you know, just even transitioning from, you know, have, we only had one and having her grow up and move out, that kind of changed how Christmas felt for us. Cause you know, so much of our culture, Christmas is definite family and about the kids and they make it more fun and that's all true. So being empty nesters kind of shifted things a little bit. Um, and of course now there's little miss, so we get to have the kids, the little babies excitement back again. So that's really good. But it just has felt different over the last few years. And I think part of that really is because, because I've been kind of leaning more into Advent and, and that waiting time in between those, you know, those 400 years of waiting, kind of tapping into some of that anticipation and, um, and, and trying to prepare my heart for when he actually comes on the scene. Right. Um, but I just think reading through the story, you know, <laughs> poor baby, reading through the story always kind of puts things back into perspective and it just causes me to be in awe. Um, I think I talked about it last podcast, but I, for Advent, I, I've been reading through The Greatest Gift by Anne Voskamp and she just has this poetic way with words and it just kind of takes your breath away. But um, just the fact that, you know, God has always been family, like the Trinity, they're family, they're for each other, they're together all the time. And they created this human race and that needed saving and that Jesus would leave not only all of heaven, but, you know, he kind of voluntarily left all that he was and crammed himself into human flesh you know, and he could have like just come as a grown up, right? And just done the deed and been out. But he came and made himself like, you know, an embryo <laughs> and help and contained himself into this human flesh that would go through all the same things that we go through so that he could identify with us and so that he could fulfill the payment that was needed for to buy us back so that we could be family again. I I just the story of Christmas is so it's ridiculous. It's unfathomable that somebody could know you that much before you were ever born, could love you that much that, you know, 
that he was willing to be born knowing, like he didn't just say, hey, I'll come hang out with them. Like he came to hang out with us so that he could die. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like the Christmas tree becomes the cross. Like that's that's the progression of what he, that was his aim and his purpose. And, and the reason he did that is because he loves us more than we could ever know. And I love how in the passion, I can't remember, it was, we just, we read through it, but in Luke one, it talks about how this message is for everyone everywhere. Like Christianity is not as exclusive as we act like it is sometimes it's for everyone everywhere. And he came to the lowly shepherds. He came in a manger. Like he could have come in a, in a castle or a palace, but he didn't because he wanted to be approachable for everyone because he came for everyone. And that is the hope and the light of Christmas. Good job, Carrie Lee. <laughs> Thanks. So I'm just going to read this poem. I was doing an Advent um, devotional through um, version. And it's, it's by the Briscoes. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with Jill Briscoe. Um, she has a ministry with her husband and her son. Um, I can't remember the, the name of their ministry. But anyway, she spoke at IF a couple years ago. And um, she wrote this Christmas poem um, for that, well, several years ago. But it was in the Advent that I wrote, that I read through. So I just wanted to close with this, this poem. Um, by Jill Briscoe. God of perfect timing, word of wisdom rare, eternal God, incredible to see you sleeping there. How can it be, dear Lord of life? You came to tell us all. Our only hope of heaven lay within that cattle stall. Many ways to Jesus seekers take to find, many people looking for a savior for mankind. Many different wanderings, for many want to know just who was born at Bethlehem a long time ago. Was he just a good man, a teacher kind and true? Or was it God who came to earth to save a chosen few? Was it all a story, improbable and wild? Or God that day in bed of hay, a tiny human child? What do I know of Jesus and his changing, saving grace? What difference is there in my life? As Christmas Has Christmas taken place? How dare I live a selfish life when God gave his for me? The choice is mine, and now's the time to let him set me free. So Christmas now this season could be a different thing. This year I could accept him and hear the angels sing. So as I bow right here, right now, and call upon his name, my world, because of Christmas, will never be the same. So, That's cute. Isn't that good? She's amazing. She's just a great poet and speaker and lover of God and... She's one of those speakers that, well, she's British, so there's the accent that always is a plus, but she takes her time, you know, kind of, right. she takes her time speaking. She's not in a rush. And that's one of the things I love about Bill Johnson, too, is he just kind of takes his time as he speaks, listens for what God wants him to say. So I think, I think that's a wrap. I think we went through the gospel story, according to Luke, and uh, I don't know if it helped you guys, but it helped me get more in a Christmas mood and a Christmas spirit and kind of renewed my, my understanding of what it's really all about. Right. Cause you know, we, we like the lights and the trees and the gifts and the, and all the chaotic fun, but really what it comes down to, it comes down to Jesus willingly coming here, not just to be born, but to die so that we could go there and one day live with him in heaven. So yeah, yes.
we win. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. We will not be back until uh, the new year. We're going to take uh, some time off and we will get back to you guys in the new year. In the meantime, we pray that you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and connect with us on our Facebook page. We try to kind of interact a little bit more over there, especially in the in-between podcast times. And um, yeah, if there's things, I know we've said this before and we got a little feedback, but if there's anything, topics or anything that you want us to touch on, you know, we're open. We, we don't promise that we'll that we'll go there but we're not afraid of budge so we might so let us know pop something in the comments over on our facebook page and let us know um what you'd like to hear from us next year so is there anything else you want to add kay oh <laughs> i am good i think that was a good wrap up for christmas we got everyone in the right christmas mood that's right i don't even think we need a gentle rebuke i think we did great hmm yeah. yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, you know, he might correct some of the pronunciation of the names. <laughs> but, hey, that's all right. Hey, Chris Valentin mispronounces names all the time, so we're in good company. Hooray. <laughs> all right. That's it. I love you. I will see you soon. And listeners, yeah. we pray you have a Merry Christmas. See ya. <laughs> Bye. We really do pray that you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We pray that you have... Uh, moments throughout this season to slow and to reflect and to really take a look at Jesus in the cradle and be mindful of the fact that he came knowing full well that it would end on the cross. So um, we're super thankful that you choose to spend your time with us. Um, we are looking forward to next year and we hope to talk with you then. Have a great rest of your year, and here's to a healthy and happy 2019.